Um, welcome back to the dive. We're now starting uh, our study of Masachet Gitin, uh, and this is an opening shiur, shiur p'ticha on Masachet Gitin. And the goal of the shiur tonight is really one thing, which is to become familiar with the mechanics of a get, all of the different issues surrounding the get, and to start from the basics, which are the keeps who came uh, in the Torah referring referencing the to get. And at the end, we'll take a look at an overview of the Masachet to know what it is we have ahead of us uh, for the, over the course of the next uh, three months or so. Um, the story of a get starts in the Torah. And it starts in the most curious place. By the way, in three months, when we do an opening shiur on Kiddushin, we're going to take a look at the same psukim, because interestingly enough, all of Kiddushin starts from the same place as well. And we have to define those terms, Kiddushin and Gitin or Gerushin. We'll also talk about the nomenclature a little bit, so that we're all on the same page as we start. The Torah tells us in Sefer Dvarim, Parakhat Dawid, uh, the following. Kikach ish isha If a man takes a woman and has relations with her. And it's critical to see those, those pieces to the puzzle. And then she no longer or does not find favor in his eyes. And that's a key phrase we're going to come back to in, in the first segment of the shir. He found some unseemly thing. We'll say it that way in the meantime. So in other words, a man marries a woman and then is no longer happy with that choice. You see, I highlighted that phrase because that is the key to our our topic. Uh, he writes a safer kritut, which literally means a book of excision or disconnection. And every one of those words, katav and la and safer and kritut, all play critical roles in halacha. Vinatan biyada. Yet another phrase, both vinatan and biyada, each of them is going to Limb for us some of the details of the halacha. He puts it in her hand, which itself has ramifications halachically. He sends her from his house. Now, you, you, for our purposes, that's all we need because we got kiddushin and we got gerushin and we're finished. But I want to give you the context of it so to see what happens. And she leaves his house. And she goes to become with another man. Now, that pasuk itself is a key pasuk in the context of Kiddushin. And I'll just step off on a, a momentary tangent to show you that the word v'yatsa here, which refers to leaving his house, and v'hayta, which refers to her marriage to the second guy, are juxtaposed. And it gives us a very famous hekesh, which is makish havaya litzia, meaning betrothal or marriage is juxtaposed or compared to divorce, which means that there is going to be some component of one of them that can then be applied counterintuitively to the other. And what that turns out to be is the fact that you can do kiddushin, which we're going to define momentarily, with a star. The fact that you can use a document, we're not talking about a kuba, a document for kiddushin. I'm sure you've never been to a wedding like that, neither have I. But Star Erusin is learned from this uh, juxtaposition and parallel that just like divorce happens with a star, Kiddushin can happen with a star. In any case, she goes to this second guy, and now this is not saying what a person must do or a person may do, it's just describing something happening. Usnea ha'isha acharon. And the second guy doesn't like her. 
Now, we don't, we're not given any reason here why he doesn't like her. The first guy found something unseemly. The second guy doesn't like her. The chat of la sefer is called no fault of words. The chat of la sefer kritut v'natan biyadah. Here we have an exact copy from the previous pasuk, which is from Tupsukim earlier. He writes a sefer kritut, puts it in her hand, v'shocham in beto. Oh, in order to set up this halachic framework, we don't need for the second guy to divorce her. He can do us a favor and die. Or if the second guy, who took her as a wife, dies. Either way, what we have now is a woman who was married to Ruvain. Ruvain divorced her, and he's still alive. That's critical for this. She married Shimon. Shimon's no longer married to her. We don't really care why. She's now available again. However, her first husband, who sent her away, can no, cannot go back and take her back as a wife. And this is a confusing phrase. She became defiled. Why was she defiled by marrying another guy and not uh, by virtue of whatever unseemly thing she did earlier? It's unclear what the phrase means. And this seems to be geared towards a surreptitious kind of um, um, fickle marriages. They're married, they're not married again, and married again, etc., and kind of moving from husband to husband and what we might call even wife swapping to avoid that. It is an abomination. And don't defile the land. Now, notice that the entire context of Kiddushin and Gerushin, two staples in our lives, certainly Kiddushin are, are presented in the Torah in the context of a prohibition to refer to as Machzir Grushato, which we dealt with in Yivamot, which is remarrying your ex-wife if she, in the interim, married somebody else. So, But along the way, the Torah describes, here's what happens. First there's Kiddushin, then there's Gerushin. And this is what Kiddushin looks like. And this is what Gerushin looks like. And then, if after the Gerushin she marries another guy, then here's what that Gerushin might look like. And then the prohibition is to return. So that's the framework that we get. I brought you the last verse, which is really not germane to what we're doing, because A, I want you to see the whole picture. And B, I wanted to show you something that we dovetailed very nicely with the last year that we did, which was the Siyuman Sota, where I suggested that Chachamim looked at the Sota as sort of a model of Am Yisrael, as a personalized model of Am Yisrael, and HaKadosh Baruch of course, is the husband, etc. And uh, that plays out in several Agadot. One of them is the following. There is a pasuk in Yirmiyah, near the beginning of Yirmiyah, that says, Lemor, the, the chapter, which starts in an awkward place, because we didn't do those divisions, starts out with Lemor, almost a verbatim quote from Dvarim, if a man divorces his wife and she goes and marries another man, can he return to her? The land would be defiled. And nonetheless, you, who have whored with many other people, meaning other gods, I'm still asking you to return to me. Meaning that it's as if God is overlooking or excusing a normative prohibition of Machzir Grushato in order to reunite with Am Yisrael. And the, uh, the Gemara in, uh, in Yoma actually makes that, makes that point, where Rabbi Yochanan gives the beautiful drasha, and he says, Gudolat Shuvah, look how powerful Shuvah is, 
that it's um, that it's oker lotase shavat Torah. It overcomes a lotase in the Torah because uh, here you see that Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, you know what? Normally, a man cannot remarry his ex-wife who married somebody else in the meantime. In the meantime, you who left me and abandoned me and hoard after other many men, I'm still asking you to come back. So this is kind of a little bit of a model. But I want to show you just a couple things from the Sifri. The Sifri here, meaning the Midrash Tanaim on Sefer Dvarim, uh, is quite extensive. And as I said, every one of the phrases in this highlighted passage, and even after the highlighted passage, is fruit for um, for drasha and for halachic drashot. And I'm going to just do a few of the highlights just to give us a sense of the range of issues concerning us when it comes to a get. Now, important to identify what a get is accomplishing, but we're going to get to that, believe it or not, a little bit later. First, some of the considerations about a get. And the first concern that we have, going in order of the pasuk, is what we call ilot gerushin. What are proper grounds for divorce? Proper grounds for divorce. And it is indeed not the case. If you read the Torah, it seems like it says he doesn't like her. At least the second guy doesn't like her, and so he can divorce her. No-fault divorce is not the case. Um, we have the famous machloket at the end of uh, at the end of Gitin, which, by the way, became much more famous because it was uh, in the scene in Fiddle on the Roof when the rabbi was giving his gemara shir. But, um, but if you take a look at source three in the Sifri, Vayai Motin Tzachin Beinav, so the Sifri is, is referencing the Mishnah, which gives us an interesting piece about the timing. A man may not divorce his wife unless he found actual promiscuity, meaning it has to be adultery, as it were. Because the Pasuk says, Now I translated that loosely as an unseemly thing. But we know what arayot are. They are sexual, list of sexual acts of immorality or immoral acts. And so Beit Shammai says that that's the only excuse for Gerushin. By the way, that is a position that uh, that there was a fellow who lived around the same time as Beit Shammai by the name of Paul who had the same approach. Um, we'll see that Beit Shammai's position is much more nuanced than that. Even if she just overcooked his food, meaning it doesn't have to be something as serious as promiscuity, it can be just, so we say, uh, irreconcilable differences. Shinemar davar, ervat davar, meaning any matter. And now, So Hillel's answer to Beit Shammai is, all it had to say was, he found there to be an erva, meaning an act of immorality. Why does it say ervat davar? So the word davar seems to downplay it, saying any matter which is unseemly. She said, why does it have to say both? This is their argument. She'im ne'mar davar, if it only said davar, if the Torah just said, davar, he found something he didn't like. Then I would think that the rest of the passage, which allows her to marry another guy, is only if she left due to they didn't get along. All right? Now watch what they're playing with. But if somebody leaves because of actual adultery, she can't marry anybody else. I might have thought that the Torah's permission for her to have marry a second man is only in the condition where it was davar. Right? 
And they argue that, Ben Hillel argues that that's not so unreasonable because when she was married to her husband, she wasn't allowed to be with this other guy. Now that she became forbidden to her husband because she slept around, she certainly should be forbidden to the other guy. Therefore, it says, etc., that even in a case of adultery, she could then marry another guy. We're going to see some comments about that. In our ervat, and then flip it. If only said erva, I would think that the only reason you can divorce is because of that. And so, therefore, the the issue which comes up in the Mishnah at the very end of the Masachet of justification for divorce, um, grounds for divorce, is subject to to a significant machloket between Beit Shammai who focus on the word erva and say it can only be because she violated the marital trust sexually. And the var, which Beit says, drives the case that it could be any matter that just they don't get along, he could divorce her. So that's one of the of the components. Another component, as I said to you, is it could have said he writes a sefer kritut, and gives it to her. Notice what it says, Sefer Kritut and Venatan Be Yada. Right? So now we're going to focus on Vachatav La for a second. La means Lishma. Lishma means it has to be written for her. It can't be written as a generic. You can't go to the store and get a form get that happens to have the right names on it and divorce with that. Now we're going to see an example of that a little bit later in the Shior um, uh, as we go along in the Mishnah, the third chapter. Mikan Abru, and then they, the, the Midrash just quotes the Mishnah that we're going to take a look at. Now, um, then we start getting into definitions of what sort of things are considered legitimate writing, legitimate writing instruments, legitimate writing object, meaning what kind of, uh, what kind of um, piece you're writing it on. And then the safer issue of safer kritut. I'm going to look at this outside of the text, but the word kritut or kretot, really in, in kritut in the Torah, but kretot is the word that we're looking at, means separation, karet. The plural of karet is kretot, but here we're looking at kritut as a defining word. If the divorce has to be one of full separation, which means that, <clears throat> which means that if the get is given in such a way that the relationship is not fully severed, and I'll give you two examples of that, then the get is invalid. Because the get must be an opportunity for her to start life again without any shackles. So example one would be if you were to divorce her with some sort of a condition, and the condition was perennial. Meaning, the example given in the, in the famous Brighta is, if he gives her a get and says, this is your get on condition that you never go, never step foot in the state of Texas. That, and she might have no interest in going to Texas, by the way. That is a um, an invalid get because her entire life, there's a piece in which she's still married to him, which is if she goes to Texas, retroactively, the get is no good and she's still married to him, which means that anything she did in the meantime now becomes problematic, et cetera. And the main issue is they're not really disconnecting. The other component of non-critute is if he gives her a get, but the get doesn't do what it's supposed to do meaning it's supposed to cut her off from him and then permit any man that she could not have married beforehand to, to marry him, except for, of course, Kohanim, and, of course, for his own kin, his brother, his son, etc. But anybody else. So if he were to give her a get and say, this is your get on condition 
that you're not allowed to marry Chaim Yanko. Let's just take a Sota kind of example. He thought she was having an affair with Chaim Yanko. He didn't want to go the Sota route, or it's after the Beit HaMikdash. There is no Sota route. And uh, and so he's very mad at her and he divorces her, but he, he's, he's inflamed. He says, I'm giving you this get on condition that you may not have relations with Chaim Yanko. The get is invalid because it means vis-a-vis Chaim Yanko, she's still not divorced. And the divorce has to be utter and complete separation. It has to be kritut. Okay. Now, later on in the verse, v'natan biyada. So again, v'chatav, we define what writing is. La, it has to be for her name. We're going to see some details about that. Stefer kritut, has to be full excision. V'natan biyada, is to put it into her hand. So take a look here. Kevan no biyada mishalchami beito. The minute he puts it in her hand, then she leaves the house. Mikan Amru, and then they quote the Mishnah, the eighth parak of Gitin, Hazorek get Lishtov, Yibetok Beitav, Betok Hatzira, Harezom Goreshet. So let's say that a man doesn't want to face his wife. He's embarrassed, he's angry, whatever it might be, and he doesn't want to handle the get directly. He can do it through an agent, and Shlichut is a big thing in Gitin. All the main Sugyaz in Kiddushin is a big, Shlichut is a main topic in Gitin. He can also do it by putting it in her property such as throwing it into, if she has her own house or her own room, he can throw it into there and she's immediately divorced because her yad, the Torah uses the word yad, which means hand, is halakhically extended to property. And therefore, there's a whole interesting sugya at the beginning of the eighth parak about the nature of a person's yard, the nature of a person's house, etc. Um, and and that being an extension of their body in a sense, so that would be, that would be a, a way of divorcing. Okay. Those are some of the issues. I want to touch on the last issue, um, which is Vishilcham in Beito. And that touches on a very sensitive issue of a different sort. As we know, in the times of the Chachamim, uh, and certainly beforehand, the times of Tanakh, women got married, not women, girls got betrothed at a very young age, and often got married, they typically got married at around the age of 12 or so, but of course there could be a girl who is intellectually or emotionally not very developed, then she might still get married. There were also situations where girls got married much younger than that, although it was frowned upon, but in certain circumstances, it was the better choice. Uh, the girl's an orphan, things of that sort. And you could also have a tragic situation where somebody gets married, and then somebody suffers a trauma, and they lose their ability to think or ability to make decisions. How does that impact on the world of Gitin? We'll take a look here at a Mishnah in Yivamot, um, which is going to touch on this. And the reason I'm doing it is because it cuts to the end of our, our Pasuk. Um, if a man gets divorced, that gets married, and then his wife becomes a Shota. And a Shota, we're going to define clinically as non-compass mentis, somebody who cannot make a decision for which they're responsible. Nishtatata lo yotzi. If she becomes incompetent, he can't divorce her. By the way, you would think that that would be an exact situation where somebody would want to divorce his wife. He may not divorce her, and we'll see why. Let's say he became incompetent. He can never divorce. And notice the language is a little bit more, more strident here. He can never divorce. This is the Mishtanya Yevamot. The Gemara here explains why. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak. Dvar Torah, which means the essential rule of the Torah is shota mitgareshet. If a woman's a shota, she could be divorced. From the essential rule of the law, 
And and here we get into a a, a crux issue in Gitin, which is just like a pikachat, meaning a competent woman, is divorced against her will. Meaning, Gerushin does not need Midda Oraita and even Midda Rabbanan, meaning in the rabbinic period, you do not need the woman's consent to give her a get. You can force it on her. Now, since you can force it on her, that means you don't need her dot, her agreement, her consent. And since you don't need her dot, she doesn't need to be a bat dot. She doesn't need to be a consentable person, consenting adult, a compass mentis. And therefore, Yitzchak says that theoretically, a shota should be able to get a get. I'm just parenthetic note is that one of Rabbeinu Gershom's famous takanot, the famous takanot was, of course, against polygamy, one of his famous takanot was that you may not divorce a wife without her consent. And that changed a lot of things. But we're talking from the rule of the of, uh, of, of the Hachamim. Notice, the Mishnah said that if his wife become, loses her marbles, he can't divorce her. But why not? You don't need her consent. He says, because what's going to happen? He'll divorce her. She doesn't know what's going on. She's going to leave the house. Her parents live in another town or her parents are gone or whatever. And she's going to be the object of basically abuse. People are going to take advantage of her. Now, so the question is, what level of incompetence are we talking about? She's somebody who knows how to hold on to the document and also protect herself and say the magic word no to some man, then nobody's going to treat her that way. Now, she must be somebody who is not capable of guarding herself. She doesn't understand. We hear, by the way, stories like this often about abuse in, in hospitals where people have uh, are in their for mental illness. They just don't understand what's going on, and they're abused because the people who are taking advantage of them are exactly them, taking advantage of their inability to distinguish what's going on. Right? So now, wait a second. How can you say that if a woman does, it, isn't able to say no to a man, that a woman of that level of incompetence theoretically could be divorced, but just meet her up on or not? If that's the case, after all, what does the Pasuk say? It says, and remember what I said about the word Yad. Yad doesn't just mean your physical hand. It means property. It means having a Yad means having the halachic uh, competence to be able to own something and protect something. Which means that based on the Torah's verbiage, she should not be able to get a get. And we have yet another drasha. And this is where I wanted to get to. Notice how the Pasuk describes divorce. He sends her away from his house. Right? And this is a tragic possibility that we would consider. Meaning, we have to be talking about a woman who, when you send her away, she doesn't come back. And just imagine how sad this is. Here's a young girl, gets divorced, she doesn't understand what it means, and she keeps coming back to the house. She doesn't get what that what it means. And therefore, that kind of person, me da'oraita, can't get divorced, because the definition of divorce is, it's somebody who understands, i got to move on to another stage in life, and this is not continuing. Right? 
And so therefore they mitigate it by saying, this is a case, we're talking about a girl who understands and knows to hold on to her get. She understands she has to leave the house, but she doesn't know how to know how to say no to other men because she doesn't understand what that means. Now, I'm not sure where we would put that on the layers of incompetence or, or mental confusion or whatever. And therefore, the rabbi said, still don't divorce her because she'll be taken advantage of and be abused and mistreated. Now, you can ask another question, which we're not going to dive into here, which is, so what happens to her? Where, where does this girl go? That's an issue. Um, now, I want to explore some of the nuances of, of a get, but I want to start from, where, where, from what get actually does. So let's start from the beginning which is, what is marriage? Now, if I was a bigger fan of The Princess Bride, I would say, what is marriage? But <laughs> you guys are the same. But marriage is what brings us here together. What is marriage? So marriage, halachically, is actually two things. The first thing, and we'll talk about this a lot in three months when we get to Kiddushin, the first thing is called Kiddushin or Erusin. Calling it engagement is misleading, even though in modern Hebrew, erusin is engagement. <laughs> it's what we more, more properly call betrothal. And now, if you take a look at source five, the first Mishnah Kiddushin, drachim, or shalosh drachim. A woman becomes acquired to her husband. She becomes, she becomes an isha through three different vehicles, right? which is kesef, star, and biyah, which means if a guy can give her a ring, and Sarah, I have a good Ashley. I think that's what we've all done. Or a star, which I mentioned earlier, or have Bia with her. And nobody's done either of those two things, hopefully, in the last several thousand years. But Kasef is what we all use. And therefore, she becomes Mikudeshef. Now, Mikudeshef does not mean you're married, it means you're betrothed. It means you are now destined for each other. And then the next thing to do is have a wedding. Now, the betrothal would usually take place at least a year, and sometimes 10 years before uh, before the wedding. In some cases, certainly in the times of the of Chachamim and earlier than that, a man would betroth the girl when the girl was born, or the girl was one years old, because marriage was about connecting tribes and families and whatever it might be. And however, it was considered to be obscene for that girl to leave her father's house and live with her new husband before she was ready, which would be around puberty. So she might be spent her whole years of, of childhood, babyhood and childhood, already betrothed to somebody, what I might call promise. Uh, and then when she's ready, then they would have a we have a wedding. We, on the other hand, do our erusin under the chuppah, and we do it five minutes, ten minutes before the, the marriage itself. It all happens together. So now, Tidushin create the bond. Notice the Mishnah and the under and the highlighted part. She becomes acquired through three three different possible avenues, meaning A, B, or C. She acquires herself in one of two possible ways. And what are the two ways? She acquires herself with getting a get or if her husband dies, which means the get is the release point for Kiddushin, which means if a guy is Makadesh, a girl, and then they decide not to get married. She needs a get. And she has a dean of grusha. She may not marry Kohen, even though they were never married. They were just betrothed. But that's what Gerushin does. Gerushin undoes 
uh, Kiddushin. Now let me show you how that impacts towards the end of the of the material here. Show you how that impacts on on um, on, on halacha. The um, the Rambam at the um, at the beginning of Hilchodisha, the very very beginning of Hilchodisha, which is about marriage, describes and the Rambam does this often. He'll give a history to a halacha. And most famous is the first chapter of Hilchot Avodah how Avodah came into the world. The Rambam talks about the history of Kiddushin, and he says the following: Kodem Matan Torah, meaning before the Torah was given, If a guy bumped into a girl, met a girl in the shuk, they both agreed to get married. He'd bring her into his house. That's well, and they'd have relations intimately. And she's his wife. That's that's what marriage is. Marriage is two people attracted to each other. They decide they want to live together. They live together. They move in together. Once the Torah was given, there was suddenly a command, which is, you want to get married? Here's how you do it. First, you have to make an, an agreed-upon transactional relationship change, which is the, probably the best way I can define the word kinyan. It's a recognized transactional relationship shift. Right now, that item is there, and I'm here. I make a kinyan, suddenly that item becomes my part of my property. I'm responsible for it. I have the rights to sell it. That's what kinyan is. It changes my relationship with that thing. So now, if I want to marry a girl, she wants to marry me. By the way, that's critical. They want to marry each other. Then he first has to make a kinyan, um, which in front of Adim, it's a public thing, and then he marries him. Okay, now, who does that leave in the dust? Because notice the wording. Originally, you met somebody, you liked them, they liked you, and you got married, that's it. By the way, take a look at Source 16, the Rambam and the Beginning of Tishut. Can you imagine, then, how would you get divorced? So you could make the argument there was no divorce. Once you got married, you were stuck forever. Right? The Davak Bishto is what Adam says when he meets his wife. So Kenya Timo, a man has to leave his father and his mother, but Bishto. And he should and he should uh be cling to his wife. And maybe that's forever. Right? The answer is that's not the case. And that there is certainly the the possibility of divorce. And we see these things happening throughout Tanakh in many cases. So how does divorce happen? So look at the Rambam in Hilchot Malachim. And by the way, the reason for that is because the Rambam in Hilchot Malachim is defining the Sheva Mitzvot B'nei Noach, the seven Noahide commandments. And one of those seven Noahide commandments is against adultery, meaning sexual immorality, chiefly adultery. Because in the Pasuk I just quoted, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and cling to his wife, and the drasha is, and not his friend's wife. Adultery is prohibited. Right? So then, at, at what point is it no longer pro adultery? What can happen that will make this woman now available? And so the Rambam says as follows, when would a non-Jewish woman have the same status as a divorcee in our world that other men could marry her? 
the minute he throws her out of the house and she leaves, oh, she walks out on him. In other words, just like marriage happens in that world by agreeing to live together, divorce happens by agreeing to not live together. Very simple. No edim, no star, no procedure, just reality of where you're living and who you're living with. But of course, in our world, there is Kiddushin and there is Gerushin. Um, and uh, there's a, a beautiful uh, passage here uh, that we'll take a look at the very end of the Shi'ur uh, about that. And you see it here in the Yushalmi in the beginning of Kiddushin. And therefore, Goyim Enlahen Gerushin. The entire world of Get is not in the world of Menon Jews. Meaning all the details we talked about, Lishma and Biyada and Mishilchame, all of those things are not in their world, including Ilot the Gerushin, meaning what grounds for divorce, just not in their world. That becomes an impactful piece when we talk about the issue of Shlichut. Because who may you use as, as a Shaliach for any halachic act? The answer is somebody who himself or herself is in that world. And therefore, a goy cannot be a shaliach for gitin or, or, or kedushin because they themselves don't have gitin and kedushin in their own lives. So this is a, an exclusive Jewish model um, of, of that. And you can take a look in the, in the here, because I'll just show you one piece in this uh, in the Jerushalmi. Uh, he quotes a pasuk that we'll take a look at the very end of the shiur, a pasuk from, the, from Malachi. And he says, God hates the one who divorced. We'll see the context for that. And he says, Be Yisrael Look at the drasha. God, the God of Israel says, hate the one who divorces. He says, Be Yisrael which means Gerushin is only in the world of Yisrael. I didn't give Gerushin to the rest of the world. As if Gerushin is a great gift. Now, Gerushin, of course, is a great gift because if a couple's married for whatever reason and it doesn't work out, they shouldn't be stuck forever in the world in the in the style of let's say the other Catholics believe. Throughout that whole passage in Malachi, God is called Hashem Tzvaot. Here it's Elohe Yisrael. Why? Because it's referencing uh divorce. So it's a very, very strange phrase. Because Gerushin is something we certainly think of as negative and unpleasant, and Nebuch has to happen. And yet, HaKadosh Baruch Hu only uniquely associated his name in the context of Gerushin for Yisrael, and it's something that only we have. And you think about Gerushin, of course, as a, as a negative thing and a sad thing, and it is. And yet, you see something actually quite wondrous in it. Because instead of it being in the model of what the Rambam described as what the rest of the world has, what B'nai Noach have, which is um, you want to get married? Oh, you like each other? Okay. Sorry for saying it this way. Shack up, you know, have a family. You don't like each other anymore? Okay, go your separate ways. And there's no glue holding. There's no nothing tying. And here, on the other hand, we have Kiddushin. There's a formal Kinyan in front of Edim. By the way, I want you to imagine, you bring Edim together and you give Kiddushin to a girl and the girl is way beyond your station. I think we've all met girls like that. Or way below your station. We probably all make girls like that too. What's going to happen? What are the ADM going to say to you? You'll pull aside. Are you serious? You want to marry this girl? Or the Polaris side. So what are you getting married to him then, right? It's a public statement. And then the get also, you can't just say, I don't want it. There's a whole procedure to do. 
And that procedure, in many cases, will slow things down enough that people will rethink it and say, you know, maybe we should give it another try. So there's a whole beautiful bracha in this sad thing that we have. I want to touch upon several details about Girushin, which, um, which are going to consistently come up in the Masachet. And one of them that I mentioned is the Chatavla Mishma. And so here the Mishnah at the beginning of the third parak, we'll look at the first two Mishnayot in the third parak. It's as follows in source six. Any get that's written not for a particular, not for the name of that woman is Pasul. Because remember it says, Bechatavla. He has to write it for her. Kate side. And the, and the Mishnah gives us four cases which are increasingly less obvious, as we'll see. Case one, and I'm going to add under my breath the Gemara's explanation of what's going on here. Hayal verbashuk, a guy's walking down the, down the street. Vishama kol hasofrim makrim, and he hears um, uh, scribes dictating, quote, ish pony migarishik pony makum pony. Chaim divorces Susie from Brentwood, in Brentwood. All right, his name, her name, and a place. And he walks in and says, Hey, that's my name. That's my wife's name. You know what? I was thinking about divorcing her. Let me buy that get from you. He cannot use it. Why not? So the Gemara explains what we're talking about here. What Papa explains is we're talking about a man overhearing a scribe's lesson. Meaning the teacher is dictating to the students. Okay, everybody write the following. He's showing them how to write a get. And as an example, he happens to use names that happen to be his name and his wife's name, and it's in that town anyways. And, you know, he was going to get a get anyway. He was just thinking about it. Or he had actually decided to get a get. He walks in and says, hey, can I buy one of those sample gitin that you wrote as a writing exercise? You got all the right names there. The answer is he can't use it. Why can't he use it? Why is it invalid? Well, why was it written? It was not for her. Keep going. Think about the case. I'll, I'll do it again. A guy's walking down the street, and he happens to walk past the Simpson School of Sofrin. Right? And he hears the teacher, Shmuel Simpson, Homer's brother, uh, dictating to the students. Right? Okay, everybody please write. Chaim of Brentwood is divorcing Susie. And they write the star. And Chaim happens to be married to Susie and wants to divorce her anyways. He walks in and says, can I buy that star from you? I want to divorce my wife. Why do we say it's no good? It was an exercise. It's what? It wasn't written at all. It was written as a, as a writing exercise. It wasn't written for Gerushin at all. So the first component of Lishma that we need is that to be written as a get. Now, second case. And by the way, I just want to point out, you notice what the critical pieces of a get are. There's lots of verbiage around the get, that what we might call the form letter. We're going to see that in a minute. But there's also the critical pieces that change from get to get, which is his name, her name, the, local, the locale, another component which, should, which we're going to get to before we finish here, which is the date, which is critical, and the, the line, the critical line of heart, you are permitted to marry any man. But his name, her name, the town, and the date are vital, and, and they make the star unique. So the first star wasn't written for Gerushin at all. Yet Termi came. So now the Mishnah says, here's an even more 
less obvious case, shall we say. So Chaim writes again for Susie, and then Susie makes him a beautiful dinner, and he says, you know what, I was hasty, forget it, and he's got to get written, but he changes his mind. A guy who lives in his town, that's critical because remember, the town is in the get also. And comes up to him and says, Oh, I'm Chaim also, my wife's also Susie, can I use it? He can't use it. Why can't he use it? Unlike the first case, this was written for the purpose of Gerushin. It was not a writing exercise. Why can't he use it? It, it wasn't written for her. Even before. For the, for the second guy. For him. Yeah. It wasn't for Chaim's wife. It was for Chaim II's wife. Right? So now let's up the ante. Yotermikin, number three. shavim. Now, this is not as bad as marrying two sisters, but he married two wives, and they have the same name. It's Rachel A and Rachel B. He wrote a get for Rachel A. And then he changed his mind. He said, okay, I got to throw one of them back. I'm going to throw Rachel B back. I can't use it for Rachel B. Why not? Why can't he? When he wrote it, it was for Rachel A. Exactly. So now you understand. What's the first desideratum we have here? It has to be written for a get. Second of all, it has to be written for that husband. Third of all, it has to be written for that wife. All right? So that's, that's the demands of Lishma. Now, if you recall, in our sugyot that we're dealing with now at the beginning of the Masachet, are all driven by four words, which are b'fanai nichtam, b'fanai nichtam. That somebody bringing a get from Kutzlaritz has to be able to testify that it was written and signed in my presence. And according to Rabbah, that means it was written and signed Lishma in my presence. And the whole concern was that in the more less uh, knowledgeable communities, they weren't experts in this issue of Lishma. And yes, will say this was written Lishma. The fourth case is something which is of side interest, Yotermi came. The guy has Rachel A and Rachel B, and he knows he's, he's just got too many wives. So Amar Lavlai says to the Sofer, Tov just write Rachel, and I'll later decide which one I want to divorce. Right? After all, they're both named Rachel. So Chaim is divorcing Rachel in Brentwood. Right? And then he comes home, and he in his mind says, okay, whichever one comes first to the table with the good play of soup, I'll divorce the other one, whatever he says. Whatever craziness he has. He can't use it. Now that takes us into a fantastic sugya called the Sugya Vreira, which is retroactive designation. Because what it means is, later on tonight, I'll decide which Rachel I meant now. That doesn't work. All right, so that's another piece to the puzzle. Now, that takes us to the next halacha, which teaches us what are what is the core of the get, what's written on a get. Um, by the way, how many of you have ever seen the Sirata get? Have ever been present when a get was given? So I'll tell you a, a fascinating thing that happened to me. Uh, it must have been 20 years ago here. Uh, I was asked to come to a wedding on Glenville. You know, we have a Glenville minion. There's a wedding on Glenville. It was um, Rabbi Perry. I don't know if you remember him. He used to live here. Lovely guy. Rabbi Perry was doing a wedding for a couple that had gotten married. Uh, I believe they were not, not Jewish. They'd gotten married. And then later in life, they had become uh, taken by Judaism. And they converted. And now they wanted to have a proper Jewish marriage with their kids there. It's a beautiful thing. They came from, I think, Vancouver, somewhere up north. 
And they came and they had the wedding. They asked people to come to me so we'd have a minion and we'd been some after them a little bit. It was really beautiful. We're standing out there in the driveway on, of Raya Perry's house uh, just after the chuppah and singing. And remember Rabbi Ru? Rabbi Ru used to live in LA. Rabbi Ru came up to me and said, Can you please come? I need you for a baiting from Monsieur Ataget. What happened is all in one hour, I'm at a wedding and a divorce. It turned out that there was a couple that lived in LA. The guy moved back east. They didn't want to have anything to do with each other. He was divorcing her. So he sent the get with a shaliach. And the shaliach came to Rabbi Ruz Beitin. And I sat with him. And the shaliach handed her the get. And I'm watching this whole thing take place. And a lot of details of how it works. Here we go. Now the word tofes, um, which is often spelled with a tet. Here in, in Kalpan, it's spelled with a tav. A tofes means a form. We use it in modern Hebrew all the time. In your any any government office, you need a tofes, a form, and it comes from the Greek word tipos. Anyways, tofsei gitin. If a guy wants to write forms of gitin, and the Gemara goes and explains that Chachamim allowed sofrim to make pre-prepared gitin, so that when the time comes up, they can pull one out and fill in the names, and they don't have to write a whole thing. He has to leave the spot for the man's name, the woman's name, and the spot for the time, right? And now we go on and look at the issue of time. Uh, earlier in the second parak, let's say the get was written today. Today is the third day of, uh, sorry, the second day of Sivan. Let's say that it was written today, so it said, second day of Sivan, and we signed it in half an hour, before sunset. Or let's say they wrote it tonight. If they wrote it tonight, what would it say on it? Third of Sivan. And it was signed later tonight. Or let's say they wrote it tonight, third of Sivan, and signed it tomorrow. That's fine. Kasher. But if they wrote it today, which means it would say second of Sivan, and it got signed tonight, it's Pasul. Why is it Pasul? Why is the get Pasul if it was written today and so yeah? Somebody was answering. Different days. There's different days, which means when did the get actually take place? On the fourth on the third of Sivan, tonight when it got signed. But when does it say on the get third of Sivan? So you're going to ask, who cares? Second Sivan. Who cares if it's second Sivan or third of Sivan? Right? Rabbi Shimon, by the way, disagrees. Rabbi Shimon says, I'm not concerned with that. But well, who cares? So the answer is actually quite straightforward. Let's say that a woman behaves in a certain way and seen publicly that would not be appropriate for a married woman to behave. And when when uh, accused, she pulls out a get that says, I was divorced on the second of Siva. But the reality is the divorce didn't actually take effect until the third of Siva, or the fourth, or the fifth, or a year later when it got signed. And therefore, we have a problem with issues of defining when she was divorced. Now, when she was divorced has another impact. This is a sugi we'll get to in the beginning of the second parak, is there are all sorts of financial obligations and rights between a husband and wife that terminated divorce. And so if it's unclear when the divorce happened, that could lead to a lot of financial hanky-panky, which you want to avoid also. So there's a clarity issue. By the way, we do the same thing with the ketubah. We do several things with the ketubah 
uh, that sort of parrot this in a way. Uh, how many of you have been to the sign? How many of you have been a demonic tuba or have been standing close by when a tuba is finished? So if you notice, and the line just before the end, um, there is a letter left off. The letter is the letter kuf from the word kanina, or part of the letters left off. And what happens is on the day of the wedding, they complete that letter so that the tuba was finished on that day, because everything else was put in very nicely. And then they make a kinyan with a chatan that he accepts all of the obligations in here and signed his, basically signed his life away. And then the adim sign on the spot to effect of what the chatan has agreed to. And many people are careful to make sure that the, that the tuba is signed and dated, there's a date on the tuba, the same date as the actual wedding takes place, which becomes a problem, let's say, in the winter, if you have a wedding at 4 o'clock, because by the time you get to the chuppah, it might be after sunset. All right, so uh, just a little bit of that, because the issue of zman. Okay. Now, um, one other um, critical piece that's going to that's gonna come up, and there's just so much to talk about, but I'll hone in. One other critical piece that's going to come up, and it's something we've already seen in the first couple daf, and it's going to course through the masachat, is the issue of the edim. How many edim are there in reference to a get? So the answer is there are at least two sets of edim. They could be the same guys, by the way. Which edim can you picture? Which edim are there on a get? Which edim are there when it comes to a get? Okay, so I mean, it, it may be my question is so obvious to you guys that you you think that the, the answer I'm looking for is too obvious, you're not answering it. First is the ADIM signed on the get. The ADIM that's signed on the bottom. What are the ADIM signing to? What is it that their signature uh, affects? Affect. Effect, sorry. What does their signature say? It says that we testify that on this date, Chaim Yankel said to Susie, Harat Mutar the Choladam. Right? Okay. But then there's other adim that are typically going to be the same guys, but they're serving as other adim. Those two adim are called Eide Chatima, the ones who are signed on the get. There's also adim that actually watch him hand the get over to her. They're typically going to be the same guys. They're, they sign it when he says, and then they hand it, they give it to him, and he hands it to her, Natan Biada, and it's all done. But it doesn't have to be at the same time. Think about the cases we're dealing with right now at the beginning of the Masachet. A man divorces his wife. He's in Greece and she's in Israel. And he sends the get with somebody. Where are the Edei Chatima? They're in Greece. Where are the Edei Mesira, the Edim that was handed over to her? By the way, by whom? He doesn't have long arms. Who was it handed over by? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So now, we have another two edim that are called edim misira, edim of handing over, edim of transmission. And now the question is, which set of edim are the vital edim that actually make the get work? And for that, we find a well-known and huge machloka between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Elazar that courses through the whole world of Shtarot. And it's Rabbi Meir says, edim chatimakarti, Sorry, a day, Mr. Rakarti, 
Right, um, that it's the Edim signed on the star that make the get happen. The Edim is there just to confirm in case somebody challenges says, I never got the get. Well, we saw you get the get, but they don't make it happen. What makes it happen is the Edim signing on the get. And, and Rebel Lazar says, no, Edim is Karti, right? Which means that it's the writing of the get and handing it over to her that's the main thing. And Rabbi Eliezer even, even says, um, that the only reason that Edim signed on a get, here we go, is in other words, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, to make sure that things don't get messed up, to make sure that things work the way they're supposed to. Because if I, if, if that means according to him, the get was written properly, Lishma. He handed it over to her in front of two Adim. She is halakhically divorced and may marry another man. However, if her husband shows up three years later and says, I never divorced you, and now you're committing adultery and these kids are mom's airing, then she can pull out the get, which has signatures on it, and say, no, I'm protected. Which means the, the Adim signed on the get are not what make the get happen. They are there as a protection. Tikkun HaOlam. That's Rabbi Elazar. Rabbi Meir's position is that the Adai Khatima are really what make the get happen. And that's a machloka that, that again courses through. And one example of that is this Mishnah in the second parak, which is you're not allowed to write a get on something that's on the ground. You can write a get on any material. You can't write on something like a big palm leaf that's on the ground to write a get on that. Let's say you wrote it and then you you cut it off from the ground and then you signed it and gave it to her, that's kasher. And the Gemara then identifies that that's only true according to Reb Meir. Because Ramirez says the only thing that I'm concerned with is signature. Once, since it was signed, once it was detached from the ground, it's okay. And this machloket again impacts on all sorts of other things. I want to take us to the very end and then do an overview of the masach. And the um, take a look on your own in source 18. The Rambam lists the very beginning of Gerushin, the ten desiderata that are da'oraita of a get. Right, and actually I'll go through them right now. One, the man has to give the divorce voluntarily, and that leads us to the very famous sugya on Daf Pechet of Get Me'use, a forced get, where Beitin forced him to give a get. We're going to have a lot of fun with that sugya when we get to it, um, and famous Rambam there. The divorce has to be in a written document. Can't use anything else. And the wording in the get has to be, I'm divorcing you and you're no longer associated with me. It has to be something that excises. Remember, he said they can't, there can't be lingering any relationship. We talked about that. An interesting halacha that we just saw. There can be nothing in the way of him handing it over to her after it's written. Just handing it over. Which means you can't write it on something that's in the ground. Because then after you write it, you have to detach it. And then give it to her. And that interrupts the flow of writing and giving. He has to give it to her. This is all Doraita. Because we rule like Rabbi Elazar, that Edim is Sirakarti. The Edim that really create the get are the Edim that see it handed over. Notice he doesn't talk about the Edim signed on it. That's not Doraita, according to him, because he ruled against the mayor. He has to give it to her as Gerushin. The Mishnah and the Eighth Parakel talk about a case where a guy is chicken and says to his wife, Here, just hold on to this thing for me. It's an ancient document from the Dead Sea Scrolls. 
watch it for me. And then he turns around, calls us, says, by the way, if you open up, you'll see we're divorced. Doesn't work. Let's give it to her as a get. The husband or his agent has to be the one to give it to her. It can't be picked up by somebody on the ground and hands it to her. She says, I think this is yours. Doesn't help. That won't affect the divorce. Because all the rest of the things um, are all derabanan, including, by the way, Zman. We talked about Zman and what the concerns there are. Fascinating Tosefta here, um, which is one-third of the way through the Tosefta on Soto, and if you recall from last week, the Tosefta on Soto is huge, 15 prakim, and a lot of Agadah, and this is really the end of the Sota section. And this helps explain one thing that we see, which is that Sota is followed by Gitin. Now, everybody loves to ask the question, why does Gitin come before Kiddushin? And already in 11th grade, our Rebbe told us the famous answer that you just tell single guys, which is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu always is Makdim Rufuala Makai. He always gives you the solution before the problem. Therefore, get comes before Kiddushin, and he snickers, and we don't know what he's talking about because we're young guys, but we're supposed to laugh along. But why does Sotah come before Gitin? And the simplest explanation is because the result of Sotah is going to be a get. That's kind of how it goes. And the very end of the halachic section of the Tosefta about Sotah, which you can see is only one-third of the way through, is Rameir says, Meaning people have different tastes when it comes to women. We're not just talking about what kind of woman you're attracted to, but what you're willing to, shall we say, put up with. So there's some people who have the slightest bit of dirt on their food and they won't touch it. I think we are more hygienic than that. And he says, that kind of attitude towards your wife is too much. Right? Which means um, that uh, he immediately just wants to divorce her for the smallest excuse. Then there's somebody who the, the fly falls into his cup. He throws it out. He won't drink it. And he gives an example of Papos Ben Yehuda, who we generally is a guy we don't like. He locked his wife in the house and left. Wouldn't let her in, interact with anybody. We see this as a very negative thing. Then there's some people that the fly falls into their drink. They throw the fly out and they drink the drink. Again, I think we're all quite a bit more fastidious than that. That's a normal guy. He sees that his wife has a normal social life and doesn't bother him at all. And then sometimes a guy will see the fly fall into the pot of food. He'll take the fly out and suck the fly and get rid of it, to get the food out of it. He said, That's a rasha. Basically, his wife is acting publicly, promiscuously, inappropriately. She's bathing. Bathing, by the way, in those days was nude. Uh, and with any everybody, mitzvah legarsha. So that's somebody you should divorce. And he goes on to to our psukim and notes that the that the um, that the text. Remember when a guy divorces her, referred to, and then she leaves him and goes to an ishacher, meaning this guy divorced her and she goes to a different kind of guy, which means this guy got rid of a wife who should be gotten rid of, and the other guy took her in. But to mitigate that, I want to show you the end of the of the Gemara, the very end of Masachet Gitin. We're not making a scene; we just started. Kisane Shalach. Again, this is the pasuk in Malachi. God hates the one who sends away. 
He says, the way to read it is, if you hate her, then divorce. The opposite. The one who divorces is not beloved by God, is hated by God. They don't really disagree, because we just saw Mayor's whole homily where he says, there's situations where you should divorce your wife. She's behaving inappropriately, right? So, and this takes us back to the very beginning of Masachat Sota. Remember, on the first daf, we had that famous Agadah that 40 days before you created, a Batko comes out and says, you're going to marry this one, right? And then we have the famous statement that it's far, harder to match them than create Yamsuf. And Rishlokish finally said, yeah, that's Zugishon and Zugsheni. Your first, either your first match or your first date or the first girl you want to ask out, whatever it is, that's Basher. And the rest is based on your behavior, and that's hard to match. Um, Enemy divorces his first wife. And of course, we're assuming here that, that it's a, a situation which could have been saved. The Mizbeach cries for him. The Mizbeach, and he quotes the Pasuk in Malachi about the Mizbeach weeping over this, this divorce. Now, that's the end of the Masachal. We have a lot of beautiful, beautiful material coming up. It's already uh, seven o'clock here. But I do want to share just very quickly a quick, quick overview of the Masechet. As you saw, the first Mishnah deals with this, this uh, obligation that a, a shaliach has to be able to come in and say, and that courses through with a lot of tangents all the way till the beginning of the second parak. As you can guess from our Mishnah, there's going to be a section about the borders of Eretz Yisrael and, uh, and in the different directions. A fascinating sugi about the halachic status of Syria. Then, begin in the middle of second paragraph, we get to more crucial issues of get, including zman and including mechubar, writing a get on something that's written now, what you can write a get on. The third paragraph is devoted to writing a get lishma, what that means, and things related to that. And then the fourth and fifth paragraph are an absolutely juicy tangent. The whole fourth and fifth paragraph are a tangent. Because the fourth paragraph starts with a rule that Rabbi Gamliel Hazakain instituted relating to Gitin. That was right in order to make basically close legal loopholes and make sure that people weren't taking advantage of the law in nefarious ways. And that leads to two whole prakim of tikkun olam whose bull is in there and not ransoming captives for more than their worth is, is in there. And that, uh, that uh, how do you call it, that um, a balchov gets to collect benonit is in there and Kohen Levi Israel and Aliyah Torah is in there. It's all in there. Darkei Shalom. That takes us to the sixth parak. By the way, in the fifth parak is a very famous tangent. Three daf of the Agadot that we typically study on Tishabab, Kamsa Bar Kamsa, and all of those stories are in the fifth parak because that's where there is one of the Tikkun Olam rules was about buying land from a Roman who had seized it from a Jew. And you buying land from him, how you have to pay to make sure that the Jews get somewhat indemnified. And that leads to that uh, to others like adults about the about the Khoban. Uh, the sixth parak is really focuses on the issue of uh different conditions on a get. Uh and the seventh parak relates to that. Seventh parak has a very long tangential like including a fascinating story about, about Shlomo Malak. And uh the sixth and seventh parak both deal with the scenarios where somebody is sick, not well, wants to give their wife a get the way the wording of the get, whether it works or not. The eighth parak deals with pursuit, with what's considered her property, so that if you give it to her or throw it there, she is divorced, not divorced, whatever, joint property, distance, and all of that. The ninth parak is a practicum. 
it starts mm -hmm. up talking about different wording in a get that would invalidate it because it's an improper condition. And then it actually starts detailing how it gets actually written, the wording in Aramaic and the way that Rabbi Yehuda and Pabadita would do it and different Rabbanim and their Beitin would structure Beitin. And it gets to the issue of the get Meuseh, which is the forced get, which is a, a hot topic these days because of the Aguna issue, and of... Um, and of um, the Elot Begerushin that we saw, what, under what circumstances are the grounds for divorce? And that's the Masachet. And we have our, in front of us uh, approximately three months of absolutely delightful, <laughs> lots of Shasugyot. And uh, I'm wishing for all of us a very successful time uh, learning Masachet Gitin together.